a listener production. Hi, and welcome back to Broadsheet Melbourne Around Town. I'm Broadsheet's editorial director, Katja Vaktel, and the host of this guide to Melbourne. There's been a spate of wonderful new restaurant openings in Melbourne this year. On Friday, we talked about half of them. Today, we are going to wrap up that conversation with the second half of our best restaurants of 2023 so far list. Joining me again in the studio is Michael Harry, our national editor, Audrey Payne, our food and drink editor, and Nick Connellan, our publications director. The next couple of places I'm excited to talk about are really yummy, delicious, almost home-style food. So let's start with Cafe Neon in the city, Michael, which comes from, I mean, one of Melbourne's most important and influential hospitality names. Yes, which is Con Christopolis, of course, of City Wine Bar and Angel Music Bar and 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 He's done so many things. So it's many. crazy. Yeah. He's like he is the quiet achiever. He like, really is as opposed to your flashier. I names. agree. I think that if you think and look at the Melbourne dining landscape, you'd be hard pressed to argue someone's had as much influence. But someone like a McConnell or a Chris Lucas, you know, they, they get they get a lot of plaudits and deservingly so. I feel like cons, restaurants and bars, and sp- they speak for themselves, but his name isn't as closely associated, mm. but mm. he's and so he's, yeah, good. Equally is like iconically Melbourne. Yes, um, very much so. Yeah, but he's doing something a bit different here. It's in the space of an old cafe called Self Preservation, which he used to own, which is now no longer. So it was an empty space. And then his mate Stavros Konis, who has a, a restaurant called Solana in Richmond, a Greek place was going through renovations and needed to have his staff doing something. So it's just a pop-up at the moment. It's just there for winter, but it's been an absolute smash. And so who knows, like they might find another space for it. We'll see. It's basically just a, a, a traditional Greek taverna. Very, very simple food. It's ugly delicious. Like a lot of it's like slept on the plate. You can get different sizes of plate. You know, so you start with a lot of snacks. Everything kind of revolves around that fresh bread. So codro dip, fried meatballs, sweet breads, just delicious kind of snacks to whet the appetite. Moorish. And then you and go the into your complimentary, is it not? Yes, free <laughs> bread. And then you move on to mains, which is like, yeah, that, that slow-cooked lamb with potatoes and oregano and this beautiful chicken with the little risoni-style sort of pasta. Um, so all really sort of super comforting, great for winter. You can get that classic Greek salad, another salad with lettuce, spring onion, dill, and lemon. One thing I really like, you can buy slabs of feta cheese, like buy the 100-gram block. So just bring it and like crumble it onto everything. Like, like, I think my, yeah, I think my stomach, I, yeah. I don't know if anyone's heard it rumbling, but. Yeah, <laughs> and, it's, it. and the next place we're going to be talking about is just does even more of that. And that is Yakima's, Audrey, which I can't wait to get to. Another bread forward restaurant. Mm, bread forward. <laughs> bread forward. Yakima's is run by OJ and Ali Ate. It's a little father son duo. And they're specializing in pitta, which is a Turkish flatbread, which they make in a wood fired oven on site. And it's just really comforting, really familiar, even if you haven't had it before. And yeah. And a really welcoming kind of family style restaurant, right? A hundred percent. Very nice winter vibes, I think. For sure, because you also see the fire in the corner of the restaurant, which is really nice. And something that OJ is really passionate about is, so his father has a Turkish restaurant across the street, but this restaurant, he's very set on being a Mediterranean restaurant. So there's some Turkish classics, but there's also food from all over the Mediterranean. And that 
bleeds into the drinks offering as well. So he's got um, Yagos, which is a Turkish soda, and then a fermented turnip drink, which I believe is also very commonly found in Turkey and is building up the wine list. So yeah, like they're just really passionate about food and doing really cool things. Can we just talk about the dumplings? Across the road at his father's restaurant, Mm -hmm. the dumplings are done one way, which is more traditional, but then it kind of makes a jump into his kind of future style in Yakimoz. So can you just describe the differences between the two dumplings? Yeah, sure. And I think what's cool about Yakimoz is that Helikinas, which is the restaurant across the street, they're almost in conversation with each other. So they have Monty, which over the road at Helikinas is made in the more traditional style. So they're slightly bigger, but they're also boiled. And then at Yakima's, they're slightly smaller, but very cute, but they're also fried, so they're crispy. So there's a lot of little riffs like that. Um, I think it would be kind of a fun night. I Yeah, do it in one night to go across the street first and have the more kind of traditional style meal and then step across the road and kind of see the riffs on it. Or switch back and forth. You could go yeah. entree, main, dessert. I you honestly, could have both dumplings. And you know what? OJ's... Dad might like join you and come across <laughs> with you. He's that kind of guy. Something else that we have been really excited about this year is the geographic spread of some of these restaurants that we're loving, plus the fact that they didn't necessarily come from huge, big Melbourne dining names. It's not that we haven't seen geographic spread before. Great restaurants open all over the city all the time. But I think in the first six months of this year, because we haven't seen these huge, big hospitality groups opening huge, big, big restaurants, we've been able to see more uh, of these kind of really great places happening out in the suburbs that you might not usually think of. So Sushi On is meant to be one of the best new Japanese restaurants this year. That opened in queue. I mean, it's basically a residential area with a little short kind of shopping strip, and it's in that in that little section in queue. You've got City Fields, which has opened at Chadston. So again, not where you would necessarily think of somewhere to go for a really beautiful, high quality meal. And then Grazia, which is this Italian joint in Glen Iris, which again, it's not that these it's not that these neighbourhoods and areas don't have great restaurants, but to to see them kind of hitting the top of the list this year has been pretty cool, I think. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about some of these restaurants. Let's talk about Grazia first in Glen Iris. The talk of Glen Iris, I've heard. It really (laughs) is the talk of Glen Iris. My parents live one suburb over in Malvern East and they were just kind of like, we need to go to this restaurant. Our neighbours can't get in. They can't like, it was pretty funny. But um, so I did go with my parents and It's a really solid Italian restaurant. Like you walk in and what's really cool about it is it's on a strip that all the buildings are heritage listed. So the facade is untouched, but you walk in and they've completely redone the rest of the space. It kind of goes across three stories and it feels really cozy. Like Michael, you had a friend recently (laughs) that went and basically didn't leave. I mean, went there for like a four hour (laughs) Yeah, I was getting texts going, mate. Have you? Do you know about this place, Grazia? <laughs> it's like ridiculous. Like, what is it doing here? It's this mm. beautiful space. And yeah, the, the hours rolled on and the text got more blurry. From <laughs> so from Glen Iris to Chadston, the shopping centre, not even just the suburb, the shopping centre. Let's talk about City Fields. And I need to disclaim here, my partner owns City Fields. So I'm not going to be chatting too much. I'm going to let the roundtable do that. 
for me. I took myself off to Chatty because I needed to do some shopping and also to check out City Fields. It's amazing. It's kind of like this huge, like Vegas, kind of LA style, massive restaurant, like hundreds of seats, but beautiful design and fit out. And the menu is actually just a lot better than you would expect to find at Chatty. We don't normally do like fine dining or, or good eating at shopping malls, but this kind of offers a something new there. I had one of one of my fave dishes from the year so far, the Chateaubriand. Actually, I rolled out of that place, but it was like the really good like sourcing. Chateaubriand was is this beautiful cut of steak. It was showered in like fried onions, like little ten- tendrils of onion, and this jus and fries and just yes, like. Delicious. But uh, I wanted to save a bit more room for the dessert trolley, which is pretty epic as well. It's like full of emoji style cakes, like beautiful looking cakes. And uh, I probably filled up too much on the cheesy donuts, which are not the sweet potato donuts. Potato, yeah, cheesy potato donuts, which is like a like a pile of those gougères almost, like puffy, cheesy bites swiped through this sort of mayo. The last thing I wanted to touch on is the incredible spate of Japanese restaurants that have opened in the last six months. There's one that we're particularly excited about, and that's Matsu, which, Nick, I'd love you to chat through. But that hasn't been the only one we've seen. As I mentioned earlier, Sushi On opened in Kyu, Aosuki opened in South Yarra, and then Umi Nono, which was a lockdown project, has opened a proper restaurant as well. All this really beautiful Japanese, kind of high-end Japanese, has come to the city. Yeah. So for, for readers who aren't super across Japanese, you have uh, omakase, which is the experience. Um, it kind of translates to uh, chef decides or chef chooses. Basically, that is they will tailor the menu to you and what sort of mood you're in and what sort of mood they're in. It's really a dialogue between the diner and the, the chef. Um, and so, you know, you'll sit down and they say, what do you feel like eating? And you kind of start and they'll tailor it to you. And then you also have kaiseki, which is a similar thing, but a set menu. So more like a degustation. And so most of these places, or in fact, all of these places are following either omakase or kaiseki. Um, yeah. And we've got this new one in Footscray, uh, Matsu, which is kaiseki. And it's four seats only. Yeah. And our writer, Harvard, Harvard. who covered it, just thought it was such a special experience. He knows his Japanese food. Like I reached out to him to write that story specifically because I knew that he's kind of sushi mad and just loves these experiences. And he really understands and respects the craft of, you know, sushi and sashimi and the whole experience. So Matsu is on Barclay Street in Footscray and very, very unassuming from the street. And you kind of walk up, go through a couple of these curtains and there you've got four seats and a bar. And then you sit down for what has certainly sounds like, and believe me, I'm trying to get in. It's just (laughs) impossible. But it sounds like one of the most interesting and genuine and singular food experiences in the city right now. Yeah, 100%. So Hansel Lee, who's the chef there, he worked at Kenzan for a decade. I kind of love this story. It's that, that Japanese thing of like, no, you've got to spend five years washing rice before you're allowed to touch a knife. He kind of had that experience. He was on the tempura station for five five years before he was kind of moved up and did other things. So, And if you want pedigree in this city, you want Japanese pedigree, Kenzan is the place. I mean, it's been open for decades and it is still just hitting all the right notes. It is so good. So if, if that's kind of where he's come from, that already says a lot. It really does, yeah. And then in terms of, I think, 
produce is always important, but particularly so when you're talking about these experiences where often it's just a, a really well-sliced block of fish served with a little bit of soy or nothing or whatever. And yeah, they're obviously doing all the right things there. You know, like if I look at what they've got, they've got, you know, um, Tasmanian oysters with Siberian caviar spooned on top. So it's, it's real high quality stuff. I just love the idea that it's you and three other people. So they're just a few of the restaurants that we have got on the best restaurant openings of the year so far list on Broadsheet. I urge you to go to the site to read the story in full because it also has a lot of the details about these restaurants that we couldn't get to in the podcast. Remember, behind every restaurant are people who have poured their blood, sweat and tears into these places and some of the stories behind them and some of the kind of little details we actually include in the story that are really, really interesting. Thank you so much, guys, for joining me today. Thanks. Thanks, Katja. Cheers. That's it for today. You can stay completely up to date at any moment of any day at broadsheet.com.au or on Instagram at broadsheet underscore mel. I'll be back again on Wednesday. Chat then. Listener.